Today we have the privilege to sit and talk with Lance and Desiree Leibengood. November is National Adoption Month, and we want to celebrate that. Our guests today have a beautiful story, a story of adoption. Once again, thanks for listening. We are all in for a real treat today. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Amos J. Olivares, a proud Cedar Valley and one of the executive pastors here, and I am your host. Whether Cedar Valley is your home church or not, I am so glad you are listening. And if you don't even go to church and somebody turned you on to the podcast, I'm so glad you're listening. I really, really am. You can expect this podcast to be honest, to be fun, because we can all use a laugh and provide godly perspective on the messy of life. Everybody's got a little messy in their life and nobody wants to talk about it. It's good to talk about it. There is a healing that comes from just talking about your messy, laughing about it, crying through it. Let's just be honest. Oftentimes we create our own messy. Sadly, some people bring messy into our lives by the decisions they make to hurt or harm us in all kinds of ways. And sometimes messy just comes our way totally uninvited. Like I said, today we are here with Lance and Dr. Desiree. Thank you so much for being here. I am anxious to learn more about you, to learn your story, and I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to share some time with you both. Thanks so much for being here. All right, well, let's get started by asking the most obvious question. Tell us a little bit about your background so that our listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit and then throw in there cool. how long you've been here at Cedar Valley. Cool. I can go first, Lance. Go for it. <laughs> oh, I think we've been coming to Cedar Valley um, probably five or six years now, I think, uh, around the time we adopted kids. Uh, we we really wanted to find a church that, that our kids had a great kids ministry that our kids could dive into. Um, we'll get more into it, but that appreciated diversity that's really important to us we'll talk more about that i'm sure today but yeah. that's a few of the reasons we started here and just love love cedar valley that's great are you originally from the minnesota area either one of you both of you i am yep i've pretty much other than one year of my life have lived in the west southwest metro of the twin cities uh went to north central university um grew up in kind of the eden prairie jaska hopkins area okay yeah. Good football out there. It is now. It wasn't when I was there. Oh, no? <laughs> it was dirt roads when I was yeah. there. They're pretty good now, though. That's great. All right. And you, Desiree, you born and raised here, not from here? Not from here, no. Um, I was born and raised pretty much in Indianapolis, Indiana, and came up here for college. I went to North Central University, which is where we met, and uh, have been here ever since. So I've lived here the longest. I've really? lived here longer than I ever lived in Indiana. So it feels like I'm from here now. Okay, so I just might as well get this out of the way right yeah. now. Mm -hmm. I am a alumni of Southwestern oh. in Waxahachie, Texas. We forgive you. So I just <laughs> want you guys to know, those of you listening, we come from a family of universities. Uh, I'm Southwestern. They are North Central, same 
I guess it would be what the same sister schools. Yeah, we all we all love each other. I think we're better in sports. You guys are better (laughs) in singing. (laughs) I mean, everybody, everybody in Minneapolis or the churches around here is from North Central. But when you get out of Minnesota, I'm telling you, you stop hearing all that (laughs) from North Central stuff. But yeah, so that's cool. I like to tease those from our church that are from North Central. There's quite a few. Pastor Ty, there's a couple of us from Southwestern, though, so don't okay. sleep on us. <laughs> so you guys said you met at North Central. Tell me a little bit about that. Want me to go? Yeah, you go for it. <laughs> uh, let's see. I was probably, it was in my second year. I'm a little older than Desiree, so I was in my second year there. When we first met, we were on brother, sister floors. That, that means, you know, we did little events and stuff together. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty aggressive right away that I wanted to date her. So she was probably only there for a couple months by the time I tricked her into going on a date with me, basically. You were one of those sophomores. Yeah, I was ready. Especially when I met Desiree, I was ready to to figure it out. How did it feel coming from your side? Um, I was not as ready. (laughs) But um, no, he was just the best guy I'd ever met. So it made it very easy to fall in love with him. So when you showed up to North Central, what was your, I guess, what was your plan? What, what were you there to study? What did you feel God was calling you to North Central for? Uh, I, when I first went there, well, one, my, my dad kind of made me. He's okay. like, you're going to a Christian school. You're going to find a Christian lady. You're going to do that kind of thing. I went there to be a youth pastor at first because I thought I was good with youth and kids, and I kind of figured out quickly in my You're college not. experience, I'm really bad with youth and they drive me crazy. No offense, youth out there, but realized that wasn't a gift that I had. So I quickly switched over to business administration, which okay. made a lot more sense for me and my skills. And the light went on. The light went on. Yep. And I've kind of figured out how to make that a, a ministry at times. And that's uh, just which what I can't wait to skills hear I have. a little bit more about in just a second. And Dr. Desiree, tell us yeah. about the story to obtaining your doctorate. Yeah, I went to North Central. I came in as a nursing major back when we had a nursing co-op program and quickly realized, oh, this isn't the right path for me. Um, And had a great mentor there, Dr. Carolyn Tennant, who said, you should be an English major. So I did that and loved it. Went and got my master's after that in English at St. Thomas so that I could teach. Um, And came back and started teaching kind of adjunct about 16 years ago at North Central and Crown and decided this is what I want to do. I want to be in higher ed. So I uh, started working at North Central full time about 12 years ago and went and got my doctorate in higher education administration from Bethel and um, then became an academic dean. And now I'm also associate vice president of academics there. So just enjoyed kind of that path forward of leadership and academics and think about the big picture. That's awesome. So what does uh, a typical day or week look like in your life? Um, right now it's about a million meetings <laughs> depending on back to back, back to back to back, back, to back. coffee, coffee, yeah. coffee, and different committees and different work like that, student meetings. Um, but also I still teach one class a year right now. So it also looks like I taught my class this morning and then um, had a budget meeting today. So it can it's different every week, which I actually love about higher ed. The, it doesn't look the same week to week or semester to semester. And I find that 
exciting. So I'm going to come right back to you after I hear about Mm -hmm. your profession. But the question I'm going to ask you when I come back to Desiree is of all the tables that you have the privilege of sitting at in meetings, what's the one place where you're so proud to have a voice in like what's what's that place in higher education that you're happy to speak into all right so lance the business administration degree once that happened the light went on for you how does that now translate into what you're doing today oh uh, there was a lot of steps along the way but uh my, my family background is uh school buses my grandfather had a school bus company i kind of grew up washing school buses those kinds of things Right out of college, we got married right when I graduated. So we were, we didn't have a lot of money. We were living on campus, and I was a school bus driver right out of college. And uh, give you kind of, try to give you the quick version. Just worked my way up at at uh, my grandpa's company. Was there about a year before I went, realized I wanted to do my own thing. And then I went more directly into school districts themselves and got into school district administration. I did that for about ten years in Hopkins schools and Eaton Prairie School District. Um, and really learned operations and how how a school district functions. From there, I had the opportunity to um, join the Center for Effective School Operations, where I work today, and I'm an owner there. And uh, we've done some really cool things for schools. Um, we do finances, we do transportation, communications, technology, a lot of different operational areas for for schools, sometimes that's just consulting, um, and a lot of times it's providing ongoing services for schools. Yeah, and one of the things that I've learned um, with your uh, company is that the bullseye of, I guess, the heartbeat for that whole operation, and it's a massive operation, is really it comes down to like helping children, right? I mean, how, how do you describe it if you had? If you got into an elevator with somebody, you know you've got a minute or less to, <laughs> to tell them what you do. Like there's a calling on your life. You're truly on mission every single day. H- how do you articulate that in a minute or less about what's the bullseye of what you do? The bullseye is really trying to keep resources um, into the classroom and to give every kid an opportunity to have an equal education, a great education, so that I, we believe that they can have um, a better life uh, right, right, out of, right out of school. Uh, one of our biggest programs we do is homeless special needs transportation. We work with almost every district around the metro area. We're starting to actually work in Milwaukee and some other Detroit, some other urban areas where our, our main focus is trying to get every home, homeless kid a ride to school. Um, and that's that's really been a really the heartbeat of what that's we do. Absolutely, what drives you every single day. Absolutely, I can, yeah. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. You know, one of the misconceptions, and Desiree, you're, have, you're welcome to speak to this too. That I think a lot of young people have when they're making that critical decision of going to college and wrestling through this whole idea of like, okay, is God calling me? If He is calling me, what is He calling me to do? And then they tend to have to decide between, okay, is it kids pastor, youth pastor, worship pastor? or or main pastor and if it's not one of those then you're like okay then it's a maybe it's a secondary calling or like you know something else but i think lance your proof that god's call is so unique to the person right he's he it's so unique to the person to the skill set it was kind of in the fabric of your family already so it makes sense to you that way you understand it because you grew up around it and then you go to college thinking you're going to do one thing and then you go to do the MBA and the light goes on and then all of a sudden you find yourself like I am right at the intersection of what 
why God designed me and Absolutely. I get to do that every single day. Absolutely. I, I think we both, Desiree and I, feel free to chime in. We're, we're both grew up as pastor's kids our whole life. And I'm a pastor's kid. Yeah. <laughs> I was All music right, pastor. PKs. She was sen- yeah, senior pastor's daughter our whole life. We were, my, at, we my were at church. still to this day is still pastoring. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so that, that's just what we knew. So at least for me, I went to North Central. I was, oh, I got to be a pastor. I think you just nailed it. Got to be a youth pastor or a children's pastor or a music pastor. Like my dad was a music pastor. And I, I realized... Quickly, I think that it wasn't for me, as we talked about, but are there other amazing ways that God can use my skills to help other people and to minister? I think you're similar. Yeah. I think as Christians, we get this false belief that um, everything related to the church is sacred and everything not related to the church is secular. (laughs) And actually, I think God tells us your whole life is sacred. So everything you do, just do it with excellence and as unto me, and he'll bless that. And so... I grew up definitely believing, oh, I need to be like a missionary. And oh, yeah, that's right. That's another one. Yeah, yeah. Got to be yeah. a missionary. Got to go overseas. That's, right. and that's like the highest of highest. Oh, things. yeah, absolutely. But I think we see now, like, actually, there's a lot you can do in your life that, and all of it can glorify God, right? right. Absolutely. Um, it just depends on your attitude and your heart. Yeah. And you have the privilege every day of working with, the, the, the little lances out there that are coming in <laughs> as freshmen and think they have a pulse on what God wants them to do with their life. And then midway through their first year, they're confused and like it's not feeling right. And you get to help them kind of find mm-hmm. that place. Right. But let's yeah. go back to the other question first. You, you sit in a lot of meetings. Um, is there a meeting or, or a place where you feel like, man, I'm so happy, like I get to speak into this? Is there one of those things for you? Um, well, I love a lot of what I do and a lot of who I work with. I love the students. I love my colleagues. But I think where I feel most blessed is actually I'm the co-chair of our Diversity Action Council with um uh, Associate Vice President of Spiritual Life and Diversity, Joshua Edmond. And that's where I feel most blessed to lead us is how do we make North Central a place that looks and acts like the kingdom and that enacts the gospel message of um, access for all, right, students, and that we need to make this world a more equitable place because I believe that's squarely in the gospel and reflective of all cultures so um, and what we find is the more we do that work actually the better we become in our business practice like being intentional about diversity actually just makes you a stronger company Um, because at the end of the day universities have books to balance we're still companies and so I and I can every once in a while get the opportunity to step back and go oh we we've been able to change a lot for the better and we've moved from 8% students of color to 34% students of color over the last 10 years. That's significant. That's awesome. Yeah. And and it's that's probably the area where I feel most blessed. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. So both of you share in that, that same type yeah. of vein of thought. And I feel like that's very, um, yeah, that's the conversation that's happening here at Cedar Valley a lot too is we are really – uber aware of our surroundings here in East Bloomington. Uh, you don't have to go very far. You can go into any grocery store, department store, anywhere close by, and you'll quickly see that there are a lot of people from literally all over the world that call this place home. 
and I'm with you. Our church should absolutely be a reflection of the community in which mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And um, and the only way that happens is we do. We've got to have doors wide open. We've got to mm-hmm. do things a little bit differently. Absolutely. And we know that people are different, so it's, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. We have a lot of things in common. Yeah, we, we do. do. Pastors, kids. We do. <laughs> that's cool. So one of the things that, not a serious question, but I'm always interested is, what are the things you love to do that, that have nothing to do with, like, earning an income or anything like that like when you just want to go have fun like let's just go have fun and get our minds right like what are some points of passion for you guys for lance it's disney oh yeah <laughs> world or land world we're, we're supposed to go tomorrow that's the plan for thanksgiving week we, we love on that. <laughs> <laughs> people that think disney is too stressful you know that piece talk to me i can help you figure out a plan okay that it you don't have to wait in lines too much as long as you're open to missing a few things uh, i'll okay. make it real fun for you we there go you a go. lot take him up on that <laughs> yeah what at disneyland do you love most like what do you find like that just keeps calling you back me per, like i love seeing my kids happy of course and yes, everything getting yes. balloons and they're happy that's great but i just love the operation that's kind of how i'm wired i love the customer service i love the transportation network you got buses you got skyliners and so how it all it's works fair to say you're kind of there learning for like sure it's a, it's a business absolutely trip. yeah i'm learning every right? time i, I think love the going. church can actually learn a lot from disney world absolutely, absolutely. i mean their hospitality right exactly the, the right. way their cleanliness yeah exactly I mean, right you you won't see a piece of trash. No, no my you favorite won't. thing at You're Disneyland. I've never been to Disney World, but my favorite thing at Disneyland is that parade that happens. Sure, yeah. Oh man, I sat there right right along song my kid, <laughs> and I was just as happy. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you love about Disneyland, or is that your escape? Um, I think Disney Disney is more Lance's escape, but I love going along for the ride. Um, for me, my escape is getting outside, um, hiking, walking, being with the kids that way. I also just love to read and, I don't know, do things that make me feel like I'm 80, like embroider <laughs> and just, yeah, I like that, those kinds of things. Are there certain trails in the Twin Cities area that you frequent most? Um, no, not as much anymore. Mostly just around our house, I would say, or... Yeah. Rice Lake Park. Yeah, like Rice Marsh Lake That's Park, just one. different walking loops we can easily do with the kids. We love the North Shore. We love hiking up yeah. by Duluth. Yeah, it's yeah. an area. Mm-hmm. And our so kids many, love hiking. Things about Duluth I've never been. Oh, you've yeah. never you been? Go. I've never been to Duluth. I'm I not from say, here. Well, I always say, what's the point of being in Minnesota if you haven't seen the North Shore? That's like otherwise just a cold, weird place. Well, I might as well get up there then. <laughs> it's been two years almost. Oh, you got to get up there. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, all right, last question before we get into the story is: If you could go anywhere for dinner tonight, and you had to agree on it, and it had to be a bit of a splurge, where would you go? Well, big question is: Are kids coming? You gotta. We got um, five kids. No kids. Okay. Okay. So there goes Chick Fil A. <laughs> Bit of a splurge. It's a playground. It's gone now. The one restaurant that I would say, which is Birch Steakhouse. Yeah, Birch Steakhouse was was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Manny's. We live in Eden Prairie, so Wildfire. Wildfire. I've heard great. Eden Prairie mm-hmm. Mall is pretty good. That's probably yeah. it. Pittsburgh Blue. Yeah, Pittsburgh Blue yeah. is great. Chow. Mm-hmm. We love a good steakhouse. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Well, like I said in our intro, the month of November is National Adoption Month. And one of the many great stories associated with your lives is your story of adopting children. Um, And a lot of people may not know that. I'm very interested to learn how this all came about. 
And so would you share with us how this story started in your life and where you are in that story currently? Yeah, I probably always knew that I wanted to adopt um, my whole life. That's been a consideration for me. Uh, I told my parents that multiple times, so they, they were not surprised at all by our path. And then when we met, I feel like maybe even early on, we had some talks about that and I knew Lance would be open to it. And we both really felt at the same time kind of God saying, hey, you should you should start a family. Um, and people often ask us, well, you know, um, the question that everybody is curious about, but doesn't, they're like, should I ask this or should I not, is always, could you have had biological children? <clears throat> and to that I always say, we're not 100% sure. It didn't happen at the time, and um, so we kind of just both prayed about it and said, okay, we're not really feeling drawn towards any kind of fertility treatment or even really too much testing on that. Um, but let's just start walking down the path of adoption and see what happens and where it leads us. And prior to that moment, um, we had taken in Lance's biological cousin, Samantha. She was 17 and her dad, Lance's uncle, um, died very unexpectedly of a heart attack. And um, we really both felt strongly she was supposed to come with us. And we actually didn't know her very well at that time. Mm -hmm. And so she moved in and that was, um, and I don't think she'd mind us saying, some of the hardest <laughs> moments of our lives were all of the, this girl who's gone through this significant <coughs> trauma of losing a parent um, and trying to, to help her find her way as an adult in life. And, and after that, we both just said, okay, I think actually foster care, adoption, I think we could do this. We'd had a lot of people kind of speaking into our lives saying, you, you absolutely can do this. And so we just said, let's just follow the path and see what happens and see if God kind of opens that door instead of exploring other options for building a family. And um, it was kind of incredible how quickly the Lord kind of took us through it all. It was like, you get licensed, um, because in the state of Minnesota, you have to, if you're gonna do foster care adoption, which is technically called waiting child adoption, so it's children who have been in foster care, but their, their parents' um, parental rights have been terminated. So they're looking for permanency. They're looking for adoption for these children. Um, so it's different than foster care that way. So we just said, okay, let's do this. But to do it, you have to get foster care licensed first so that the time in between when they move in and when you finalize their adoption, you're technically like approved to take care of them. So you have to get foster care licensed first. So we did that. It went relatively smoothly. We'd had a few hangups, but we just kept getting this feeling of like, every time the timeline got pushed back a little bit, um, okay, Lord, this must be for a reason, right? Like we know the right kids that you have for us, that, that you want us to be their parents will be out there at that, at that right time. And so we finally got licensed and the, uh, the day we got our license was the day our kids came into the system as um, awaiting adoption. So it was the, the exact same day. And our worker called us and said, hey, I've, 
I've got this sibling set of three kids. Would you be interested? And we immediately went, yeah, yep, absolutely. And that's not everyone's story. I think it takes a lot longer for people in the waiting child adoption um, path usually, but um, we just knew that that was it. And so uh, proceeded from there. I'd say for me, like you said, we just, it was three and we were ready to rock. I probably was a little hesitant at first. Um, three seemed like a lot. I was kind of thinking one or two, but once we kind of saw the kids and saw pictures and started thinking that way, then it was, then we were good to go. Yeah. We just had a lot of confirmation from the Lord too, even down to like our middle daughter, um, she and I have the same, she was born on my 30th birthday. <laughs> so when we looked at the paperwork, it was like, oh. Another one. Another one, okay. Um, and just felt like, all right, this, se- this seems like the right thing. Even if we have hesitancy about going, having three kids all at <laughs> once, um, that it just felt like it was, God was moving in this way. I have so many questions going on, and now I'm like, oh my God, where do I start? But before I get into those questions, so how many children do you guys currently have? So with Sam, we have six kids. So Sam is my cousin that mm-hmm. we talked about. And, yep. and really for me, Sam, if not for Sam, I probably, it, it could have been a different story. I think she, for me, I want to mm-hmm. speak for Desiree, helped me realize we could do this and we could live in the messy a little bit and that'd be okay. Sam, you know, she need, uh, she, she wanted to have dogs and different things. So it kind of pushed me and us to, to, we'd been married and alone for 12 years, kind of doing everything we want. So we had to change some things and be open to caring about other people. Okay. So you have six with Sam, six Mm -hmm. with Sam being the oldest, Mm -hmm. run us down names and ages. So that way I want to hear all their names. Sam is now 26, she just told me. I thought it was 25, but... She's 26 She's now. 26. It's going fast. Um, uh, so then the first three, we got Keandre, Kenya, and Kaya. They were three, two, one. Three years, two years, one when we got those three. Um, siblings. 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 Yep. Okay. Yeah, all five of our all youngers five. are biological siblings. Yep. All five. Mm-hmm. So there's yep. three, two, one, and then... Three, two, one, and then like right around... Uh, the, you know better than me, probably does right. Right when they were starting to move in, we um, had learned that there was a fourth sibling as well in foster care, and he, Corey, uh, came to join us about eight months later, six months. Six later. months. Yeah. Six months after the first three moved in, Corey moved in. And was he then like infant? He was seven months old. Yeah. yeah. And then two years after that, um, we got a call. And I was at work and I answered my phone and the lady said, hey, are you the parents of and Keandre, Kenya, Kai and Corey? And we said, I said, yeah. And she said, I'm a social worker and I just, um, there's another sibling that just was born this week. Um, and I'm calling to see if you would take, um, if you would do foster care for this sibling and take placement. And um, we had actually Again, just been talking like two nights before. What would we do? We had no clue that um, their bio mom was pregnant or any of this would be coming. But it was like the Lord and saying, get ready, I guess. Yeah. 
So I two days. <laughs> two days. Yeah. So I said, Yeah, no, I know we'll take placement. And and she said, Great. Can you pick her up in four hours? <laughs> and so we said, Sure. And I called him and we bawled our eyes out on the phone and then we went to Target and filled up two shopping carts. And we, we were, drove We were almost done with baby mode at that point. We were, we were cruising. Yeah. With four kids. We had it and down. All the way back to the beginning. <laughs> all the way back. And we didn't have nine months to think about it. <laughs> no, we had four hours. And so we drove down and picked them up, or picked her up at the hospital. Um, we had our cousin, Dylan, pick up the other four from school and daycare and bring them home so that we could surprise them with a baby sister. <laughs> and she was with us. That was it. Wow. So ages as of today are what for all six? Nine, eight, seven, six, and almost four. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't keep track. Is it three boys, three girls? Three girls, two boys. And Sam. And Sam. And Sam. Who, yeah. So four. Four girls, two, of boys. girls two boys. Yeah. Lots of girls. Wow. Okay so, where, okay. so the first thought I had was when it comes to pets, I think that I am the kind of guy that would love to have the dog in the picture. I love the idea of having a pet. I love all the things that people love about the idea of having pets, but actually having the pet, Mm -hmm. I don't do so well with. And I feel like with adoption, and tell me if I'm stretching this, but like with adoption, I think that initially everyone loves the idea of adoption. Like it would look good in the Christmas picture. It's a nice gesture. I can do something. I, I got to believe that it's completely different. Like, you know, <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit about like the idea of adoption versus the reality of adoption. Cause I think there's going to be some listeners out there who are driving or whatever you're doing right now. And you're just, maybe you've been having this thought of adoption yourself and you're not sure. Like, is it like, I guess, is it a motive? I don't know. T- t- talk to me about the difference of those two things. I think, I think you're right on that adoption is something that looks kind of sparkly and like it will make you seem like a good person, (laughs) quite honestly, from the outside. Um, Or that that would be so fun to do. And I I don't, I think um, more research is needed at that point on what it's really like because adoption is trauma. It's, it's walking into lives that have been very disrupted. Um, I always say, too, it's, it's plan B. Plan A is that, the, you know, bio parents allow the grace of God to work in their lives and can raise their children. Mm-hmm. That's plan A. And you have to be really comfortable with being plan B wow. and with walking that and with grieving that with your kids um, because – even if they have no memories of their biological parents, their bodies know and their little hearts and minds know it, it wasn't meant to be this way. And so you're going to have to walk through any trauma that they're bringing in, um, both from their life experiences or just from being separated from plan A. And that isn't always glamorous or easy. Um, it's totally worth it, 100% worth it but not glamorous. <laughs> and it requires a lot of putting aside your own ideas of what your family would look like or act like um, to really walk with your kids where they're at. 
and potentially what your life looks like. Yeah. Where your friends could mm-hmm. change the the places you go, you, especially in our case. Um, as a transracially as a adaptive trans- family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so explain that for yeah. a second, because yeah, we even talked about that. Yeah, just transracially adaptive family. So mm-hmm. Give give me a bigger scope of that. So that is because so we're white. <laughs> you can't see us on here. Um, and our kids are black. I was going to say, you sound mm-hmm. Mexican, though. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I just close my eyes, I... <laughs> Desiree. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so because of that, we have had to do a lot of learning. And that's on us to do, um, to learn about black culture, right, and how to raise black children well. Um, to make sure that we have a lot of aunties and uncles who look like our kids and are involved in our family so that they can ask appropriate questions to people who have the same lived experience. And so, um, and the, the idea that they're just, you have to change your life. You can't really drag your kids around to places where there's nobody that looks like them all the time. Mm-hmm. They've got to have teachers and principals and Sunday school teachers and, and people who look like them to look up to and and we've had to really learn and grow and be open to asking questions um, so that we can provide the best for them and looking stupid sometimes as we learn <laughs> yeah. But, yeah wow that's crazy because your response to where you find most fulfillment in your voice and the bullseye of the company that you operate are also related to this whole idea mm-hmm. of like diversity mm-hmm. yeah and now it makes all the more sense of how like you know just how god's working all those things i guess a question i have is how has this adoption story for you challenged you at your core like in a messy way like aside from all the glitter and all of that where has it truly impacted you at your core where you really would kind of be willing to share a little bit of that that challenge or struggle? I think for me, um, cause like I cared about diversity. I grew up in a family that cared about it and was a part of a very diverse church growing up. So that part was easier to wrap my mind around, but trauma has been more difficult to understand mm-hmm. and to figure out how to parent differently. Um, when your children have experienced trauma and when they're carrying that, those behaviors with them and um, to give up a lot of that control or how, I think it's easy just as parents in general probably to be um, you know, concerned about how your kids are behaving in public and mm-hmm. um, how that's gonna be perceived in places. And we've had to give up a lot of that oh, and yeah. just, hey, we've got kiddos who have experienced, they come from really hard places. Yeah. And that means their behaviors aren't going to meet people's expectations all the time. So and that's what? okay. That's right. Yep. What you looking at? Exactly. You looking at? <laughs> exactly. We have those moments. Yep. <laughs> I yeah. think, yeah, I think you nailed it. I think we were first 12 years of marriage. We both, uh, life was kind of easy. Mm-hmm. And I think people perceived us as, oh, they've got it all together. They, you know, we go to the mall and we walk quietly around the mall and go shopping. And now when we go anywhere, we make a scene. Yeah. We, we come to church and we make a scene. (laughs) Yeah. So my story is not, I don't have a story of adoption, but we have a child that has special needs. Uh, he has down syndrome. His name is Aiden. And 
a lot of what you're sharing, I feel like we have also had to wrestle mm-hmm. with. For example, yeah. walking mm-hmm. in the mall, or mm-hmm. when he says no, there, you know, there's it's really hard to change his mind. Yeah, or been whatever. there. So like <laughs> yeah. being in public places when he's yeah. not having it can be tough, mm-hmm. and you know, people don't sometimes help or understand whatever. Um, so so I get that when it comes to Aiden. Like there's certain things people say when it comes to a child with special needs that like you shouldn't say, um, you know, sayings or do's and don'ts. And so I actually want to learn in terms of adoption, like what are some do's and don'ts? So I'll give you an example just to kind of get you thinking. So I never knew this until we had Aiden. So now with Aiden, if you know, you'll hear people say, oh, look, there's a there's a there's a Down syndrome kid. And I would have probably been someone saying that too. I, you know, but I learned that with Aiden, we learned people first language, mm-hmm. which means, oh, look, there's a child with dis- with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. meaning you put the child before the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I would have never known that. Mm-hmm. And since I learned it, I always hear people and they're always saying it wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll take it upon myself to help them because I know that they would want to know the, the right way to do it. And there's so many others. But because this is a story of adoption, mm-hmm. are there any whether they're fun or, or things that people should, hey, just give us some fresh teachings on do's and don'ts, sayings, like don't say this, even if it's like things that people say to you as parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that there's some because there's a bunch for us yeah. with Aiden. Share with us some of those things. There's probably a bunch. There's a lot. The, the <laughs> first Help us one. learn for a few minutes. <laughs> uh, I'll give you one. The, probably the big one for me is, I think people have good hearts when they when they do it, probably. But I hear a lot: "Your kids are so lucky." You know, oh, you and you and Desiree, you got you got a good careers going, nice people or whatever. Uh, your kids are so lucky to have your home, and it couldn't be more the opposite. <laughs> we are we have these little beautiful treasures that we that we really were Plan B for, as Desiree said. We are just so blessed and lucky to have these little little kids in our lives. I pinch myself every day. And do you sometimes feel like saying like, just stop saying that? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, they're not the lucky ones we are. I would say another one is um, uh, this distinction between like, uh, so do you know their real mom? Mm. And when I say, yeah, I do, I'm her. (laughs) Um, And or could you not have your own kids? I do have my own kids. These are them. and so some of that language can be really alienating. I think in particular, not just for our family, but especially for families that have like a few biological children in the home, as well as adopted children, making those big distinctions between, okay, which ones are real or really yours and which ones aren't is like, well, they're all mm-hmm. really belonging to that family. So I, I would think that happens more there too. And then um, another one for me is just the, the private family questions. So I'm, we're very free in sharing. They're all biologically related. But the follow-up question is often, so, but do they all have the same dad? Yeah. And, and quite frankly, it's none of your business. No, it's not. It's a really do private. Do you say that yet or not yet? I, I oh, do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. I, I usually just say, oh, that's a really private question. Um, and we, we're not as quick to share that with people why does that even matter it doesn't whether the answer is yes or no what does it matter right yeah it doesn't um those would be the biggest ones i think that we hear a lot 
a lot a lot yeah yeah i that totally resonates with me and sometimes i just let it go by and then sometimes i'm like no they that you know there's yeah. certain ways that when when people do say things properly and you can see that they put effort into making sure i i always really appreciate that yeah because it helps it, it actually is very healing for me too. Like, yeah. Thank you for recognizing that mm-hmm. and for taking the time to think that through yeah. and for saying it properly. That really means a lot to yeah. me. Yeah. But I was also that guy before Aiden yeah. that would mm-hmm. say things without realizing what yeah. I was saying. Oh yeah. Me too. Same. And yep. It happens. Well, and another one while you were talking, I was thinking, um, is it's not a question so much as a statement but well, is their mom just going to keep having more? Are you going to take more if she keeps having them? And again, that's a really personal question that's loaded with a lot of turmoil that we sit and think through for Lord, what's our role in, in this process going forward. Um, and I think it just, it promotes an idea of like that we don't want to promote, which is that, we believe as Christians, all life is valuable Absolutely. and precious to the Lord. And so let, like, let's just not ask questions that would denigrate life in any way, shape or form. And it feels to me a little bit like it denigrates life, right? Like, um, well, which one do you think she should have stopped at? <laughs> yeah, and it just sounds judgmental, mm-hmm. condemning. Yeah. It just, mm-hmm. no, there's just no space for that Mm-mm. within yeah. within our godly community for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know why our minds go to those thoughts yeah. so right. fast. We're all human. We all do it, right? And right. I need to learn more about other communities and how they want to be exactly. asked questions, that, too. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. All right. Well, I, I, I don't want to, but I know we need to wrap this up a little bit. So I, I just have a question that I think would be helpful to those listening. And for those listening, thank you so much for continuing uh, to listen to this podcast. I'm sure you're enjoying it as much as I am. Um, but why don't you both give us an answer to this? And that is if someone wants to go down this path of adoption, in your own opinion, where do you think they should start? And you're welcome to share your own sentiment of that. And then if there's an actual program or, or whatever, you can give that too. But I'd say start with a lot of prayer and um, asking the Holy Spirit for guidance on your motives. Are you looking to fulfill something for you or are you looking to um, really be led by the Holy Spirit to be an answer for kids? There's really different things in that. And then if you really feel like, no, God's really pushing us to be an answer for some kids, then I'd say um, start doing the research on which type of adoption might be best for your family, Mm -hmm. considering the makeup of your family. Um, whether that's infant adoption, international adoption, or waiting child adoption. And it also encourages just be interested and open to foster care too, which is a totally different conversation, but just of how you can be supportive to a parent who still wants to parent but is going through something tough. Um, and so, you know, which way is God leading you? There's great resources out there. Lutheran Social Services is who we went through. And I really appreciated the training that they did. Um, And then start learning as much as possible about, I would say, transracial adoption, because there is a stronger likelihood in Minnesota that you will maybe end up in a transracially adoptive situation like we did. And, um, And 
I think you've got to do a lot. Like we didn't do as much learning as we could have beforehand. I'll put it that way. Um, and I wish we'd done a little bit more, even just on like um, hair care right, and skin care, because I had a lot of learning to do to, to be the best parent that I could for my kids. So I'd say just try and do all the learning you can. That's really good. Anything, Lance, would you, when you, you know, what, where, if someone is wrestling, if there's a dad out there and their wife yeah. is coming to them saying, man, I think I want to do this. What would you say is start by going down this path? I think you just got to be ready for a lifestyle change. I, I think just trying to blend in uh, a kid into your current life is probably the wrong uh, standpoint to take. I think you need to be ready for some potential messy, some potential maybe friendships changing. Uh, your, your life might look a little different. I think you have to be open to that, but it's totally worth it. And it's yeah. totally been a beautiful thing for us. Yeah. I, I think people that, um, that think adoption, this is more my operational mind now, think adoption has to be expensive, so we can't do it isn't necessarily the case <laughs> for us. It hasn't been that way at all. Um, Hennepin County, at least through the program we went through has been fantastic. Our kids get medical coverage till they're 18. Um, we get, uh, some food and grocery type reimbursements monthly till they're 18. Um, and virtually, um, cost us nothing, nothing to adopt kids. So um, nothing but love. Yeah. Nothing a but lot love. of love. All the love <laughs> you've love. got. A lot of love. Yeah. Waiting but, child adoption is free in the state of Minnesota. I don't know if people know that. I, that's mm-hmm. a big question I always get is that if people are getting serious about it, how expensive is it? And yeah. it doesn't have to be expensive yeah. actually. It's intimidating to be on this side of the conversation yeah. though. You yeah, really sure. don't know where to start. Yep. What line do I get in? Who yeah. do I talk to? Yep. You know, yep. it's difficult for sure. Yep. Man, I'm so thankful for the opportunity I've had to sit here and, and to really learn about adoption. Um, my older brother, Isaac, adopted a little girl at birth hmm. um, nine years ago or so. She's beautiful. Uh, cool. They had to learn how to do all the hair stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I loved it. Um, and for those of you listening... If by chance you are interested in uh, any additional information, please uh, don't hesitate. You can reach out to me at my email, amoso at cvchurch.org. I'd be happy to connect you uh, to uh, Lance and Desiree or to whomever else would be helpful for you. Also, if you have people in your life and you know that they have... So what's the proper thing to say? Is it an adopted family or what's, what's the right way of... Like, or just family, right? I mean, wouldn't it just people that have adopted children and now they're family? Like yeah. If, if you know, one of my best friends growing up, Fabian Vargas, was adopted at birth. And I don't, I mean, at some point he probably found out those were his adopted parents, but it looked no different. I mean, life was <laughs> normal for him as it was yeah. for us. And I'm sure they had their own challenges that I didn't see I was a kid. Um, but if you know of anyone who has been adopted or has adopted, I think it would be cool to just reach out to them and encourage them. And uh, we've learned today that this is a call of God on people's life. This is absolutely biblical. This is a call that God places on people's lives. Even when they're children, you you knew when you were a child that this could potentially be in your future. God put it on your heart. God moved in your heart. And then he orchestrated everything to get you to this point. And so um, I'm really thankful for the opportunity we've had to share and to learn about adoption. And we celebrate it in your life, too. Thank you for modeling 
what it looks like and and uh, willing to lean into the messy and jump out of a comfortable life and, <laughs> sure. and all that. And now you just get to take, you know, six others with you to Disney World. <laughs> exactly. And which is just a little bit more pricey, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and if you guys do make the flight out tomorrow to Orlando, enjoy every moment that you can out there. Thank you. Um, we're really thankful to have you here at Cedar Valley. We're thankful for your family. We're thank you for what your business does, what your organization does. And thank you for the impact you have at North Central thank with you. all those young students out there. If you ever come across students that are looking for a place to serve, send them our way. We will. <laughs> send them our way for sure. Thank you so much for listening. Thank Truly uh, do appreciate it. If you get a chance to see Lance and Desiree in one of our services, be sure to thank them for sharing their story with us. Until the next time, thanks for listening. Adios. Adios.